Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Mayfair Theater Podcast. I'm Andrew. I'm Mel. I'm Josh. And are you still sick? No. No. Okay. No. <laughs> There's just been normal uh, winter blowing of noses and stuff. It's, uh... okay, so we are recording this, what, two days after Snowpocalypse? Snowpocalypse? Yeah. Snowpocalypse? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Does yesterday count as being part of it? Maybe. Yeah, because I had to shovel yesterday. and I shoveled out the... Um, so our exit uh, off of Euclid and like half of the alley between um, shoppers and us. And the shoppers alley almost killed me. <laughs> like it was... It was like... It's like an old man story, like a fish story, but it was like this, the, the banks were six feet tall on either side of me. And, and it was just... A lot of snow, yeah. and, and you see it like undisturbed, no footprints in it, and it just looks more imposing and, and end of the world. And when I walked here uh, from north of the Glebe to here, it was just these like giant snowbanks, six feet tall on either side of me. And so, do you, Mel? You worked. You worked the night, right? <laughs> we both. We you were both, both here. Yeah. Yeah. I was about uh, an hour and a half late or something. Man. Yeah, I yeah. saw I saw your twi- Twitter, I, your tweeting of the. Well, I got here and it was like okay, there's like, uh, we, <laughs> the snow was at the stew, like yeah, and it was like okay, I gotta do something because who knows when that like the plow finally came after everything was super super nice yeah. and smooth outside I and but it was like eight I want to say yeah. By the time... Well, you kept having to go out and reshovel the uh, front. I did the front and I did the our wheelchair exit. Yeah. Till like... I, and was, it just... I was really proud of myself because you could <laughs> see the ground. I was like, you guys, I didn't think I did this it. was possible today. But it's like, it's... Especially because Andrew had mentioned that uh, somebody in a wheelchair was probably coming last night. Oh, yeah. So I wanted to did make Did that sure happen? Did that happen? It did happen, yes. Oh, good, good. Yeah, okay, yeah, good. yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's always my paranoia of, like, there's so much snow, and, like, what if what if somebody shows up and has to come in? And then yeah. It's, because when I worked at the Rideau Center, our wheelchair lift didn't work for a very long time, and we had to bring people in and out through a side door in oh, the yeah. snow. And that's, I don't know, anyway, it's just a nightmare. So none of the sidewalks were plowed and stuff, and everybody's stopping by. I was super stoked that I was shoveling, but it was yeah. like... <laughs> <laughs> but like, like, logic would dictate we would just shut down for the night. Yeah, like but, maybe I should have but, sent a text yeah. at noon and been like, <laughs> been like guys, no, oh, this is, is like, it worth it? It's I, I love that we did it. It was it cost effective, yeah. but the, for the five people who showed up each show, that's twenty. 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 <laughs> wow. Okay, yeah. See, even I, I fully. Sadly, I'm sorry. Like, so I worked freelance that day, and then I knew the bus. So I was working at. I think what was once City Hall on Sussex, it's the Lester Lester B. Pearson building, and we're not doing anything exciting. We're just like changing light bulbs and running some cable for some new um, speakers for them and stuff. But we got it. It's 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 all very like get passes and go past security and do this and very serious and stuff like that. But we could see outside and it just it wasn't stopping. Just the snow just kept coming and kept coming. So uh, Gwen, my wife Gwen, works at Carlton. And they got all kicked out at 
one or two or something like that. So that means all those people. And all the government people got all kicked out. I got a text from Greg at 2.45 saying they're sending us home, lol. Yeah. like, okay. Yeah. And so the bus stop across from the Lester B. Pearson building had... I don't know if they, if they usually stagger these folks, but there was like 200 people shoved around like a two-person bus stop. And then people kept on posting on Twitter and Facebook these these insane like end of the world looking shots yeah. of like people at bus stops and were you at that bus stop were you like uh well i was at um like the bus from bell's corners to downtown wasn't bad but uh i mean like like waiting for it wasn't bad but uh once i was downtown it was like game yeah. over yeah 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 i'm and like okay i'm gonna have to walk because yeah and i got a lift from from Sussex, basically, to Chateau Laurier. And I'm like, I know I would have just sat at the bus stop for like an hour. And at that point, I'm like, oh, what the hell? So I walked home down Elgin Street, which wasn't too bad, but it was just, it's it's that military, like everybody's following each other's footsteps and it's kind of like the big snowbanks so you can't see really well. And Everybody's super nice in a storm like yeah. that, though. Yeah, it, that's when you when everyone gets extra Canadian and helps push you out of a snowbank if you know, you're know you stuck in a car and stuff like that. Yeah. But, but I wanted to come see, sadly, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, southbound filmmakers, I wanted to come see southbound, but by the time I walked home, like, my, my pants were frozen to the knee, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and I was just wiped out, and I was like, no, I'm not making it, no. you know, and that's it, even, I get in for free, and I didn't come to see <laughs> it still, but I was just like, it was still snowing, and I was just like, no, I'm, I want to stay home and put on pajamas. Yeah, after all that huge, big, crappy day... It's still eight people came to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, which was like, I, you know what, like, <clears throat> and it sort of worked out well for me not to be like, <laughs> yeah. But like, I left the house and it started snowing, but the sidewalks weren't awful. Yeah. And I got lucky because I guess they plowed Percy early. Right. So I took Percy most of the way down. And, and, you know, like, I, I managed to get mostly plowed kind of, and also once you hit the glebe, I think that somebody was, just like there to plow somebody's driveway and decided to take the sidewalk. <laughs> it's sort of what it seems. I got like lucky on the way in. The it way was home like a was a little vigilante snowplower. Yeah, which like I'm in full support of. My I did the sidewalk in front of my house too, just because. Yeah. It didn't get done until today. Yeah. And 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 Euclid right beside us uh is nuts like there's there's it's been a, i'm surprised that there's a sidewalk now yeah i didn't think that it would ever happen ever ever yeah and and, and so i don't know if this is that was it is that winter is that <laughs> are we gonna get more maybe of that so, i don't maybe know now the groundhog does this thing <laughs> stupid groundhog yeah and then so last night i worked um hateful eight and which is a movie we can get on topic for is what we were holding mm-hmm. over for a few more shows next week. And there's a blizzard in that movie. Yeah, yeah. And and it was... So here's the thing with a three-hour film. So it's you, three hours. It's three hours long. So I haven't seen the film, so I can't even critique it. I'm coming to see it on Saturday. Um, but I, I did everything. I did the marquee, and, and, and the marquee was pretty easy, but I did the marquee, and I did the, the, the paperwork and the money and the stuff. And then I'm like... Oh my I god! Have to wait two hours. Yeah, there's still. still there's still two hours left on this movie, and so I didn't want it to be spoiled for me because especially hateful eight. It's, it's like, all dialogue. It's all dialogue, so I can kind of piece together who's who's dying first, right? Oh no! So I, I put on my headphones and I listened to podcasts while I was doing all this stuff, and and a couple of times it was basically just like you know fingers in my ear, like la 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 la, 
Because I didn't... That's the blessing... That's the curse of working a shift before you've seen the movie that's yeah. playing. Mm-hmm. Is that there was one a while ago. I forget the name of it right now, but it was uh, Willie H. Macy. And he was like playing music. What was that movie called? But and he had a son in it, and and, and was it William H Macy? Oh, did he direct the one he directed? He directed, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, Rudderless. Rudderless, and, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. What's his name? Uh, Russell Hammond. And and well, this is yeah, the <laughs> yeah. Did did you know that he does the voice of um, uh, the, he's the Mastercard guy? What the what? Everything Actually? else, everything else is Mastercard. Whoa, or, I didn't know that. Yeah, and he got paid a lot of money just to do that. Can can Mastercard be our sponsor now on the podcast? <laughs> Um, but well, I totally butchered the quote. Yeah, <laughs> we'll do it better. We'll do it better. But so for that movie, Rudderless, yeah, was, was he in it too? Yeah, he was in it too. But I was walking up to the projection booth just to get something or to check something or to put in a trailer or do something. And I walked in at the perfect time for, and it's just a dialogue movie, but for the secret twist in the movie to be revealed. So with my back to the screen, I heard the character say the twist of the movie. And I just went, oh, God. <laughs> like, if I would have been five minutes earlier, five minutes later. So I was like, oh. So I still watched it, but I was like, oh, I, I know this is coming. Yeah, that happens to me a lot. Yeah. People <laughs> will be like, have you seen it? And it's like, well, basically, because I saw the part yeah. that tells me everything sometimes. Yeah, so so I, I did a pretty good job about just kind of hearing yelling and gunshots and, and a couple of music cues, but not... Not knowing what the death order is, I don't mm. think. So I think I, I think I managed to pull that off okay. Uh, but yeah, like it's like I don't know if it hurts business for a movie like Hateful Eight or like The Revenant, which is is circling us and we'll hopefully have soon. Is people being like, it's minus forty. I don't want to go and watch a movie filled with snow. <laughs> I want to go see a, a beach movie or something like that. So. I don't know if that goes into the equation of people being like, I don't want that to be my entertainment for this evening to see snow. Well, it's sort of like it's sort of like um, watching it all from your living room and you don't have to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're safe. It, it's nice and warm in here. It is. I turned up the heat. Yeah, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Hateful Eight is one of the movies we have for a few more shows. Um, come and see it. Come and see it. That's, that, that's the... I'm, I'm looking at our schedule for the... Uh, Friday the 19th to Thursday the 25th of February. Everything is a nominee or a premiere. We have... It's nuts. Like... We're awesome. I can't believe our programming. So, so the other one we're holding over is Son of Saul, uh, which is nominated for Best Foreign Language Film, which is, you know, of course a heavy, depressing film, but has gotten rave reviews and, and, and... It sounds a little similar to The Revenant in the sense of how it's shot. Apparently the main character, who is this guy who's, he's a, um, in the hall, like he's a, he's a Jew, but his job yes. is to, what's his job? He's to like his, burn bodies or yeah, something? Yeah, it's horrible. Like it is, yeah, uh, a concentration, concentration camp inmate tasked with burning the dead. So he's probably in a working camp? Yeah, yeah. And and so, but apparently the way it's shot, it's all like he's literally like the focal point. The camera like right. never, like the camera never like is off of him. Yes. Oh. So it's um, and he's always in focus, and the way the movie kind of follows him around is sort of similar to. And the, that's what I, I haven't seen the film, right. but that's what I hear. And the opposite of the big, wide, cinematic, 70-millimeter shot Hateful Eight. Yeah, this is one three three aspect ratio, so, so it's like super. Super like a square on the flat. screen. Yeah. Yeah. So like people 
remember the days of, of, of traditional TVs, like that's kind of the size of it. So when you come see it, you, what I always like about movies like that is when you come see it, you realize if you're old enough, how much was cut off during the pan and scan of VHS. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you see that and you're like, wow, we missed a l- I, I don't understand how big shot filmmakers let it slide for so long. Because it took for a, a little while for VHS tapes to get like special edition widescreen. Mm-hmm. But it meant like the first generation that hit, like so when, when Jaws hit VHS, when Star Wars hit VHS, when Mean Streets hit VHS, they were all just like, okay, our movie's going to get cut up. And I was always surprised it wasn't more of a fight from day one. I, I guess they Some were Some filmmakers of, of uh, I think Sidney Pollack, who directed Tootsie, I think he kind of yeah. ran a crusade to yeah. make sure that, you know, scope films weren't cropped. Yeah. And, you know, he was against colorization, which was a thing in the 80s. Because I remember I worked at Rogers Video back when Video Store still existed, which, which puts me in the same camp as, like, like, horse and carriage drivers and, you know, like... But I remember just randomly uh, Rush Hour being up on the overhead. And it was like a normal square TV, like a tube TV. And that they didn't even bother to pan and scan. So the scene I was looking at was just the tip of Chris Tucker's face and just the tip of Jackie's face, like, facing each other. And they didn't bother to, like, cut, cut, cut. They just left it. So when you're watching that dialogue for 30 seconds, you're seeing just buildings like yeah like half it like basically them profile left and right and i remember just being like well at least on pan and scan they make some effort to kind of find the most interesting thing it looks looks horrible when they do it it's very jarring you can feel it doesn't look like it's part of the film yeah like you can almost hear like imaginary gears going like and click and getting over and like so yeah so when you watch a movie like son of saul which the filmmaker has chosen to film very small Mm mm-hmm and That's you, how it's meant to look. It's, yeah. You know. And you see the rest of the screen, just imagine whatever epic you watched back on VHS and people who are confused by that and being like, yeah, that's why. That's why widescreen happened. And now we just all have have kind of widescreen TVs. So unless you're watching, true. you know, uh, Lords of Arabia, you still get the black bars. But if you're watching most stuff, you just, mm-hmm. it kind of fills the screen. But I always remember, I always think about that and how like kids today might pop in a VHS tape and be like, what the hell? Why is it a square? What's, yeah. what's going on? Like, or even like, I remember watching Return of the Jedi for the first time on widescreen. And I hadn't seen it since I was like a little, little kid on the big screen. And I'd seen it pan and scan for years. And Boba Fett is standing beside Jabba the Hutt um, in his palace, like a right-hand man security guard. And it blew my mind. I was like, Boba Fett is standing there? I didn't know that. Like... And it kind of changes the context of the, the, the story to have him standing like that. But, but yeah, so Son of Saul uh, is supposed to be shot like that. It's not pan and scan. It, no. It's supposed to be a square. Um, so that's, that's the second in a row um, Oscar-nominated film. The third one is 45 Years, which is nominated, I believe, a solo award for Best, best Actress. Best Actress, Charlotte Rampling. What is Charlotte Rampling known for? I know she's one of those actresses who's in everything. She is in, um, I believe she's in The uh, the Verdict with Paul Newman, which is okay. an excellent movie. Yeah. Like, what's her, yeah, like, she's a character actress, but uh, but she's one of those per- people who you look at her resume and you go, oh, right, because she's in, I bet you she's in, like, a hundred films and she probably did stuff on Broadway and did television and everything. Uh, she was in Melancholia. Melancholia, yeah. Swimming Pool. 
She was on, well, I'm not going to mention TV, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> she's done a lot of TV. Never heard of TV. Uh, she was in, oh, The Night Porter might be worth mentioning. Yeah. That's a creepy, um, from the uh, 70s. I haven't seen it. Lee has it on Blu-ray. It's about a, uh, a Nazi commandant who, uh, developed this creepy sexual S&M relationship with a Holocaust oh, okay. survivor. Yeah. Whoa. That apparently they carry on after the war. She was in Zardos with Sean Connery. Oh, there you go. As a... That's uh, She was in The Verdict, and yeah. she was in uh, Stardust Memories with uh, Woody Allen. Yeah, she's one of those actresses who, it's almost, um, yeah, been in a hundred films, and, and... You'd recognize her face if you don't recognize her yeah. name. Mm-hmm. So this film is, is another kind of, it's a, it's a marriage-based drama of, uh, I think, stuff going wrong Sounds in like a long-time that. marriage. They've been married for 45 years. They're about to have a big anniversary party and then some <laughs> the, un, long lost secret <laughs> happens. Which emerges. I don't even know what it is because I just saw the trailer. Something bad happens. Um, it says in our blur, but I almost don't want to tell Yeah, maybe don't tell it just in case. I don't think it tells you what the... Does it? Yes, it does. It does, it does. But don't... Don't tell it. Don't look. I won't say it. If you anyway. Don't, if you don't want to know the spoiler, don't read the blurb on our thing. Yeah. Don't read the flyer. But it's one of those things that I think is in their press release. It's so hard nowadays. People yeah. put out too much stuff. But um, well, the trailer. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, it sounds like quite the twist. Oh, yeah. it's quite the twist. It's uh, it sounds like a really heart wrenching story. And it's it's one of those. Um, it looks like one of those character pieces that could almost have. I'm curious. If it is. It could have been a stage play. Like just like I think a lot of it is the two actors on screen, dialoguing. Um, but yeah, I I really get caught up in movies like that. I can really. It's just like. I just, like, I get attached to one character, and then I'm yeah. like, oh, why? Remember the movie that um, Sarah Polly directed, and it was with uh, Seth Rogen and Sarah Silverman? Take This Waltz. Take This Waltz. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, that movie wrecked me. Wrecked me. me. Yeah. And, 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 like, I took every side at some different point in the yeah. movie, but I sobbed so much. It was yeah. ridiculous. And I'm, just, just in real life, just as a person, I'm a big fan of Seth Rogen. Uh, I think he's like a good old Canadian boy. I've heard him on a bunch of podcasts. He's funny. He's laid back. He's kind of part of the Apatow Club, and yeah. and and I like those guys. And I and I appreciate that he's he's doing stuff like this and doing stuff like that movie and doing stuff like um, uh, Steve Jobs. Yeah. But in that film, uh, there was just a sense that it was going to go horribly wrong for Seth Rogen. And not because he did anything bad, really. No, you know? if only, like, because he's a good guy. He's a good guy. <laughs> yeah. And there was a sense, like, 15 minutes in, and I said in my brain, I'm like, I'm like, <gasps> if she breaks Seth Rogen's heart, I'm never going to forgive her. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to, the way, like, somebody watching a soap opera goes crazy and gets mad at the person. Yeah. Like, well, it's I'm, not, like, it's not overly dramatic like that. It's, yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to judge her in real life. Like, if I see her walking down the street, I'll be like, how dare you yeah. break Seth Rogen's heart, you know? But... But I believe forty five years is that caliber of drama where yeah. it'll be it'll be high tension. The challenges of marriage. It's, yeah, and and but it looks real, and so it's another another Oscar nominee. So that's that's three Oscar nominees in a row so far. The fourth is Embrace of the Serpent. This is our big Ottawa premiere, which I keep on screwing up and calling him. Embrace the serpent. I keep on missing the Everybody of. Does. I keep on. I keep calling it Empire of the Sun in my head. <laughs> That's I'm completely like, different. It has embrace an embrace of the serpent. Uh, so this is uh, 
this movie, when I first saw the trailer, I thought it was a documentary. Mm-hmm. But it's not. So it's it's... I don't know if you could classify it as almost like an adventure drama, but it, like an like um, it's exploring like Amazonian life, like an Amazonian culture, and it's like a white guy going in and and making friends with making friends uh, with uh, the uh, a I love culture. how I love how the synopsis is right in front of you, but you're like struggling. I'm still, I'm still struggling. Yeah, there's uh, a white guy. White guy goes to the jungle. But um, so the the synopsis says uh, Amazon, there's an Amazonian shaman, the last survivor of his people, and two foreign scientists as they work together uh, over the course of forty years to search the Amazon. So when I first saw this, it was black and white, and something about the footage and the mm-hmm. Amazonian people. I was like, oh, it's a documentary, and that Same. that has tricked me before. <laughs> that has tricked me before. Well, that's good because it. Pro- I guess it's like a true to life. Yeah. If I hadn't done this, I would have walked in thinking it was a documentary. We had one last year that was also Oscar-nominated, and it was about, like, a nun, and it was black and white. And the opening shot... Uh, oh, Ida? I, Ida, yeah. I think that one best yeah. foreign film. Yeah. Sure so that starts out, and they sh- it's, like, a nun kind of, like, feeding chickens and very documentary-style kind of shots. And then, like, six or seven minutes in, I'm like, wait a minute, yeah. that's an actress. But totally tricked me. Wasn't paying attention. But so that marks four four films in a row that are Oscar nominated, uh, and even one of them, Hateful Eight, is nominated for three, which a lot of people thought was snubbed. A lot of every year there's movies that somebody thinks is snubbed or somebody thinks shouldn't be in. So there's both sides of the coin. But yeah. I think a lot of people thought Hateful Eight might get in there for for picture, might get in there for director, mm-hmm. might get in there for a couple more of the actors. But it's nominated for best cinematography. Which yeah, it, you know, deserves that nomination. The movie looks great, shot in seventy millimeter. Yeah, and we're showing the scope version, but even even then, it still looks fantastic. Yeah, on our screen. Yeah, and Jennifer Jason Leigh's nominated. She's great in it, and uh, Ennio Morricone, who's been scoring movies forever, for like fifty years or something. He's he's nominated, and he, I think he might win. I think so. Is he like ninety? Eighty five, maybe. 85? He's up there. God, all these guys, John Williams. So John Williams nominated for Star Wars for not the first time. Same thing. He's like eighty three or eighty four. Yeah. Um, these guys better get Oscars soon. Well, Morricone got, yeah. <laughs> got like an honorary Oscar. Okay. But that's amazing. He got his Lifetime Achievement Award and then still got nominated for yeah. his work a couple years later. Because a, a Lifetime Achievement Oscar basically means you're washed up, I guess. Or you're going to die so, soon. He's so not washed up. No. Well, remember Peter O'Toole? refused his Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah, good for him. And then got nominated after and and uh, then got the Lifetime Achievement Award finally. But it was like, some people get him like really young and I'm like, like it's kind of supposed to be like, so you're done you're award. You're like ushering this person out? Like you're yeah. done with them? Yeah, it's like, you should hold off on that for a while. That's kind Wait of like, I got some stuff to do, yeah. But um, I heard that he... I don't know, Andrew, you probably know this because you're a big fan, but I heard that he didn't, he kind of just gave Quentin a bucket full of music and said, there you go. No, he, I, I don't think he wanted to, apparently they had been kind of playing around with working each, with each other for a long time. Yeah. And it never, like Tarantino's always been like, I don't want my films with an original score. I don't want to give my movie to a composer and not right. like it. So he just uses, you know, f- music from other films. Right. 
But for this one, he was like, um, he, he gave it to Morricone. He, I, think, I think it was he read the script, or he, saw, he either read the script or he saw the film. And he liked it, but his wife really liked it. And his wife was like, no, you need to do this. Okay, this is, yeah. You have to score this. And um, it's his first score for a Western film in like 40 years. Oh, nice. Yeah. Because he said, I think he, I don't know if this is true or not. He may have said, I, I'm never scoring a Western again. Right. But the score isn't, like, you'd expect like a spaghetti Western type score, because that's what Tarantino's into. Yeah. But it's more of a horror movie score. Right. Nice. And, uh, spoiler, not really a spoiler, the one thing I did hear is there is some White Stripes music in it. So yep. it, it isn't purely a period piece. So Quentin Tarantino did put some modern and, music and in it. And there's a David Hess song from the movie Last House on the Left. Nice. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. That's, that's awesome. neat. David Hess shot uh, his last movie here at the Mayfair. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty cool. So um, a bit of a Mayfair connection there. Yeah. Um, I didn't know. Yeah. So what, what was the song for Last House on the Left? The, uh, the, now you're all alone, which is like a kind of a tender ballad, but it's set to you know horrific, yeah, violent things. And so it happened. And the way it's used in in Hateful Eight is similar, uh, very similar to how it's used in Last House. Well, that, that's not surprising because, and this is not a criticism of Quentin, but just he very much is, you know, you you could see what he likes, like he mm-hmm. he. he he puts Travolta in a movie because he likes Saturday Night Fever. He mm. puts he puts this wardrobe in because he likes Bruce Lee into Kill Bill. And so so when he puts songs or actors or plot points in the movie, he's very much uh, the, the the nerd culture that he's grown up on. Yeah, but it's he does it in a way where it's it doesn't draw too much attention to itself. It's not too meta. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because he's 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 a good enough writer that like it's yeah. not too fanboyish. Like he hasn't yet and he probably won't, but he hasn't done, you know, like a James Bond movie or a remake of Man from Uncle. Like he is only. He done almost did those movies. He, he almost wa- did. He yeah. wanted to do Casino Royale. Yeah. But the Broccoli's were like, uh, yeah, no, we're not. You know, it's because it's not a director's. Yeah, they're like film. we we can make a bunch of money without having a good director. Yeah, or without having a a person who's going to argue with it's, us. It's not a movie. Those aren't movies meant for writer directors. They yeah. just hire a, an action guy to do yeah. it. I, I always, because I, I remembered Pierce Bronson was in on that, and I was like, well, Pierce and Quentin, just go make another spy movie. Just yeah. just go make another spy movie. That would be awesome if if they just did their own little kind of thing, you know? Like, just do it do it yourself. Just don't brand it James Bond, because I think that would be cool. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be fine with that idea. Um, what did we forget? Okay, okay, so the other one we have, another one we have coming up is Heaven Adores You, which is subtitled The Life and Music, or The Music and Life, of Elliot Smith. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I fully admit, I know Elliot Smith. I do not know his music at all. I do. Yeah. And I remember... A little bit. Not as much as, you know, like I'm not like a huge fan, but... Lee sent us an email basically saying the same thing. Basically saying like, I'm square and I don't know this guy. Do you think people will come to this? And I said, I I admit not knowing much, but I think so. And people Mel like was him? like, yes. Yeah, people who like him really, really like him. And so I hope... People do come out, you know? Yeah. Um, we have pretty good luck with music-based stuff. Yeah. So who, for, I'm, this will be in the documentary, I'm sure, but Broad Strokes, he, who is he? Like, what, when was his kind of peak? He was a singer-songwriter um, based in Portland. Yeah. Um, after the kind of Nirvana, Seattle Yeah, yeah maybe era. shortly after that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, his 
brush with fame, I guess, was doing a lot of songs for Goodwill Hunting, and one of the songs was nominated for Best Original Song, right. and he performed. And was that at the Oscars? Gus Van Sant probably knew him. Maybe, uh, or yeah, just, maybe, yeah. or maybe Damon and Affleck were fans. I right, right. But that was that was like his claim to fame, like like broad fame, rather yeah. than you know uh, his regular followers. Yeah. And then, and then fame didn't really agree with him and kind of his life didn't turn out so yeah, well after it's, that. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a sad story of, you know. I'm sure it's, like, so the, the Amy Winehouse movie, which we screened, it did very well. Mm-hmm. Um, man, like, basically the moral of the story is just, like... Don't get famous. Don't get famous. <laughs> like, the moral mm-hmm. of the story is, if you're going to get famous, surround yourself with good people and don't have horrible parents and don't have, like, because... And never listen to anybody. Yeah, you can because I I don't know like, I don't know how old um, Elliot was, but like Amy Winehouse was was nothing. She was like twenty seven, right? Like, yeah. and 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 you see the way the media treats it and all that kind of stuff. But so the the good thing is, like, I'm sure it'll be an emotional documentary for fans coming to see it. Um, and I wasn't the the the. I'm not the biggest fan of most people in music. I'm just not a big music guy. But but hearing the Amy Winehouse music, uh, especially kind of some of the behind-the-scenes stuff with the big movie theater sound, was very powerful. Yeah. So I'm sure in this Elliot Smith documentary, they probably got similar, whether it be live recordings or behind-the-scenes stuff. So that's always kind of fun to see for a fan or a, 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 a fan of music. Um, a less depressing documentary, but when we screen Stop Making Sense... That's one of the favorite things we've ever had amazing. here. It sounded so good and so amazing, and I, I wish it... It did well, but I wish it had, like, 300 people each night so we could just play it once a month, like Rocky Horror yeah. or something like that. Um, but, yeah, and it, it's... Uh, and that's an Ottawa premiere as well, so it's cool that seems to be getting some buzz on the old uh, Facebook and Twitter, and some some people are very excited. And, and what's great about these movies is that the 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 distributor and the filmmakers are actually out there retweeting and talking about Ottawa and doing stuff like that. That's the little guys do such a better job of that than the big guys. Cause like, you know, we screened the good dinosaur Pixar didn't go on Twitter and say, go to Ottawa to see the, well, they don't know. need to, they don't need to, they already made all their money or like, you know, we, we don't have, you know, Quentin Tarantino going, come see my movie because they're bigger, but the little guys, uh, are often really great with that kind of uh, social media stuff, and it's always fun to kind of see them retweet or comment or even it was it was one of the the what's the one we have coming up? It's another snow movie, um, uh, dark something dark. You just put up the poster for it. Black Mountain. Black, Side. black, not dark. This is a black Canadian horror film. So it's another snow movie. The one of the producers tagged along on one of our. Twitter rants about how awesome Panago Pizza is. Nice. And then, and he said, yeah, that's why I love it. And he goes, and he went, oh, P.S., uh, Mayfair is showing our movie coming up. So I, I took that and I went, I went in honor of, 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 of the filmmaker, uh, go to Panago for a piece of pizza before coming to see the movie at the Mayfair. And he commented on that. So th- that kind of stuff's fun. Like just having that like uh, interaction with the filmmakers is always kind of neat. Um, so yeah, so that, that is not an Oscar nominated film. So that's the first of five mentioned that isn't an Oscar nominated yeah. film. It is an Ottawa premiere though. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ottawa premiere. Two nights only. Yep. 
Wednesday and Thursday, the 24th and 25th, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is correct. At 6.30, so. At 6.30 both days. Limited time to see it. Yeah. So don't miss it. Yeah, don't miss it. Come out and see it. Uh, and the one other film we have is um, another kind of special event, a one, one afternoon only, and it's called I Am Eleven, and uh, it's present... Oh, what? It's on Saturday at 1 p.m. Saturday at 1 p.m. Uh, Saturday the 20th of February at 1 p.m. It's presented by the Children's International Summer Villages, Ottawa. And it's uh, pretty cool. It's, it's about a bunch of 11-year-olds in... The world. The it's world. Like uh, the document, the the lady who filmed it just went to a bunch of different countries to talk to kids who kids. are eleven in yeah. different parts of the world and see what their life is like. That's a cool idea. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. And yeah, just, we when we were screening, I guess it was Good Dinosaur, and two kids walked by, and I overheard them, the end of their conversation. And one said, oh, what did he say? He said, he said, oh, this place is great. I love this place so much. And I just, like, it took everything for giant anime tears to not flow out of my face. <laughs> I just, it just knocks me out when a little kid thinks we're cool. <laughs> it yeah. just, it makes me feel, and then we, we had, we survived the annual family day oh screening from Tracy Arnett uh, Realty. Did we ever? And it was it was the perfect amount of people showed up. It was like it was like three hundred and forty three people I clocked. Twenty. Or three hundred twenty three. Sorry, yeah. So <laughs> we were perfectly sold out. Um, and there was one kid who got dressed up like Marty McFly, and and like just like Mel for your Marty yeah. McFly costume. And he was all excited, and he asked me if I'd seen it before. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I saw it when it came out 25 years ago, you know, 30 years ago. And uh, it was a very fun afternoon, uh, or morning. Uh, a lot of people came out. Uh, ah, there was this one little kid who was like, his, he came to Candy Bar with his dad, and his dad was sort of like, this kid knows more about Back to the Future than anybody else. And the kid was like pointing at all of the things behind Candy Bar, like, Dad, it's the time machine! (laughs) And he was, like, three years old. It was adorable. That's good good parenting. Yeah. Was was that the same fellow who asked if our popcorn was kosher? Yeah. Yeah. That question knocked me out a bit, because I was like, oh, I have no idea. All of the ingredients are kosher, except for the kernels, apparently. And then we're popping it, and there's no rabbi present, so I assume right. it's not kosher anyway. <laughs> That's we should have a rabbi present every, yeah. every time. We should have rabbi nights. <laughs> Bless our popcorn machine. But that's the first time anyone has asked, to my knowledge, that question. And and uh, I shamefully was like, I have no idea. But he was very cool about kind of walking us through it a little bit. I think. Yeah. But, yeah. But yeah, that little I saw that little kid, and I think you were you were pointing out the the flux capacitor oh to him. And he was he was Best tiny. He was tiny. He was not. He was like. I was like, how have you? Dad, it's the chutz capacitor. Uh, <laughs> and how dad did he dying. know? Like how? Like that means he's watched and liked. I see, his dad seemed pretty cool to be yeah. fair. Like um. So his dad is nerding him like up a good well. Teacher. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, the the other interesting thing about Back to the Future, a little bit of trivia, is I know that I forget, but it's like I guess maybe the re-release thirty-five millimeter print. When the DeLorean flies away at the oh, end, yeah. it says in the Back to the Future font with that kind of arrow, says to be continued. But the original one does not. 
And our DCP restoration that we screened Didn't? did not. So that meant it was off of the kind of like first version. And, and I just, I've, I've watched that. We, we screened the Back to the Future documentary for its anniversary. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's the story, that its first print just ended. And in the re-release, they tagged a, a, a to be continued on it. So the one we showed didn't have the to be continued on it, which was kind of cool. That is pretty cool. And it's also... Wonder... Sorry, go ahead. I forget, it's gone. Oh, <laughs> boo me. Um, having Wait. sat, or having watched just a little bit of it, furthermore now, after the fact, I'm like, man, I don't know if that's a kid's movie. It's like, it's, it's just, it's an 80s kid's movie, which is very different than a 2015 kid's movie. Because a 2015 kids movie is Kung Fu Panda 3. Yeah. An 80s kids yeah. movie has, like, murder and swear words and incest and, you know, like, it, it's... Sometimes I wonder, like, no offense, Tracy, but... Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, what are you... Uh, and I think it turned out fine, Polar but... Polar Express, Back to the Future. Well, well I, but, like, yeah. I don't know. Polar... And I, I might be in the minority, because I'm sure maybe there's kids who feel different, Polar Express freaks me out. It's terrifying. And, and and nothing against Robert Zemeckis because I love Back to the Future and I love I love Hoover Hair and Roger Rabbit. Nothing against Tom Hanks. He he's the best. But Tom Hanks was on Letterman and he was making fun of the movie and he's in the movie and he was making fun of like how everyone's kind of like cold and dead yeah. and have mannequin eyes, you know. And if anything, that's a movie that could use a special edition because with the computer technology they have now, ten years later. Maybe everybody could look a bit more alive, you know, but, but yeah, Back to the Future is a weird choice for 10 a.m. for a bunch of kids. And there were some kids, like four Yeah, but it says something that, like, it's interesting, like, it, people still, still love that, that movie. Oh, for sure. To, to yeah. this day, and it's still getting fans. So it's yeah. a little like Rocky Horror, where, like, new generations are being introduced to it. There's, like, yeah. a three-year-old super fan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting that, man, and, and stuff that, like, we're screening... It's funny. So our friends at the the, the, the Carlton in Toronto are screening. Uh, oh God, what are they screening? Uh, Fievel on the same what? day that we're screening Littlefoot. So I, I I twittered them and I'm like, by a Don Bluthy coincidence, we're showing the other Don Bluth real famous kids movie on the same day. Yeah, and it's and it's for their. I don't know what the logistics of the Carlton's Kids Club, but it's it's their kids club. So both our kids clubs are screening a Don Bluth. 2D animated movie on the same day. So that's kind of cool. So if you're in Toronto that's or Ottawa, awesome. come see a kid's movie at a cool theater. Um, but actually, though, you should just stick around in Ottawa and see The Land Before Time. See The Land Before Time twice on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. That's the thing. If you're a kid, and kids love watching things more than once. We'll rewind it and put it back in for you. Yeah, you can come on Saturday and watch it, and then come back with your kid's club card and watch it again yeah. for free on the next day. Um but I kind of forgot, and when you get to a certain age, like, everything becomes 10 years ago, right? You're like, oh, 10 years ago. Oh, 10 oh, years 10 ago. 10 years ago. This but is, then you're yes. like, Land Before Time, I think was 1988? I'm turning 30 this year, but it was 10 years ago. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it's like, like, it's 20-something years old, and I'm like, wow. So, that's already a film that there's... There's people who are younger than that film who might have babies, right? Like, there's people who... Don't... Like, because <laughs> like, you could be a 27-year-old and have a... You could have a... 20, you could be 27 years old, have a 4-year-old kid, and bring them to see Land Before Time. So it's weird what... 
constitutes a classic. Because mm-hmm. in my brain, a classic is, you know, Jungle Book. But to a, someone from a certain age, classic can now be Land Before Time. And that's an yeah. 80s film. But the 80s is already three decades ago, right? So it, it, it's, it'll be interesting to see if there's a bunch of kids coming to see this for the first time with nostalgic parents. Mm. Or because of the world we live in, kids who know this from... Watching it at home a bunch already. Yeah. So this is going to be people our age. Yeah, and uh, hot off the presses. Don't know what yet, but Miss Tiggy Winkles is going to participate. Cool. So we should have some cool prizes from Miss Tiggy Winkles. And then we're going to do like a coloring contest or something as well. We might have some other stuff from yep. a super secret person. It's going to be oh, awesome. Coolness. But I just, I just want to be here... Like, standing at the back of the theater with Mel as she just openly weeps <laughs> for 85 minutes or whatever the movie. Run, little foot! <laughs> we, we, I, was, I was trying to... We unfortunately, couldn't, but I tried to find a good trailer on, on the old YouTube around online. Couldn't find anything good. I sent a couple to Marcus, but nothing was really good. But, man, the trailers are, like, emotional. Like, you kind of, like... Like a, like, like a lot of Disney... Like, we just had Good Dinosaur. And Good Dinosaur, like Bambi, like Dumbo, like... Aladdin, like it involves orphans and and people dying and stuff. And and not only does Land Before Time involve people dying, it involves everybody dying. Yeah. It's like you're the here's a cutesy cartoon about extinction. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's like it's like quite a heavy undertaking. I don't know. And then and then his other kid It's like it's like an adventure in ten parts though, about your certain death. Yeah, and then I don't know where they ended with the straight-to-video sequels, but at one point, is there a yes, really it's, depressing it's one? called The Land Before Time, but they did, like, 50 sequels to it. Yeah, I think there's genuinely, Wait, so like, a dozen... How many times did the world, you know... There's just running away from the T-Rex, obviously, yeah, that's this it. whole time. Yeah, but it's, uh... And Finding Star Leaves. Yeah, there's certain franchises that you can only do so much with sequels. The, the best is Highlander. There can only be one. But we'll do a TV series and a bunch of Why sequels not? and a bunch of stuff. And like, I think you guys have gone against your initial premise here. But, uh, but yeah, so anyhow, mark your calendars for that. March 12th and 13th. Uh, cool screening. $10 membership for the kids. Uh, parents pay normal prices, but you'll save money by the kids getting in for free. And it'll be super fun. We'll have some fun surprises on screen beforehand. And we'll do this once a month. So I don't know what's going to be next month yet. I have a couple of ideas. Hopefulness. Don't want to say it to ruin people's hopes and dreams if it's not available. But it'll be something equally cool. And we might kind of flip-flop. Like do, do a cartoon, then do live action, then do a cartoon, then do live action. Just so we don't go through the, the Don Bluth catalog right away. Because a lot will be his. Because I'm really, really excited to do that. Yeah. Because Disney we can't get. But Don Bluth we can get. So that means... You just look at his resume, Land Before Time, Secret of Nim, American Tale, American Tale 2, etc. So Basically your childhood. Your childhood. You're non-put into a vault <laughs> Disney childhood. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's coming up soon. Uh, check our website. A whole bunch of cool coming soons. Uh, more Oscar stuff, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And the Oscars are on the 28th. Oh my god, that's like yeah. next, next weekend. <sighs> yeah. So remember, you can... I have to go buy a bunch of booze. Oh, yeah, booze and pencils. Do you have enough pencils? Yeah, I think we'll be okay for pencils. And I got to print up, I got to get drunky to print up all of our, um, our uh, ballots. Ballots. Yeah, a bunch of ballots. Um, so remember, anybody can come to this. You just have to be a member. But if you're not a member, you can become a member for $10. 
And if you don't want to... In 10 seconds. In 10 seconds. And if you don't want to be a member, just pretend you're buying a non-member ticket for $10. And you get in cheaper next time you come. Throw your card away if you want to. Yeah, you can throw it away. you can save it and pay $6 next time you come if you ever come again. If you really don't want to be a member, you can buy the membership card, throw it away, and then pay $10 next time you come again. Set it on fire to keep yourself warm. Yeah. (laughs) It'll be fun. You might have to. (laughs) And speaking of members only, Saturday Night Cinema is oh, yeah. on the 27th. The Saturday, night before the Oscars. The night before the Oscars. Yeah. That's our late night uh, grind exploitation, house. grindhouse, super secret. Uh, you have to come to find, find out. out what the movie is screening. But it's always a, it's always a good time. Are we telling the internet now? Like no, 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 we, no, no, no. We no. I've still, I've still refused that a couple times. Because like before, people would be like, "Was it this movie?" And then there was always somebody who would like. You would, in order to guess it correctly, you would have to know a lot about movies. Mm-hmm. And, and it's never something. It's it's never something like you know. It's not extremely well known. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, and and we don't have the guts enough to show like Star Wars because the Disney police would come down on us, you know. But no, no. It, so it's always like my heart can't even handle like the thought. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I would just I, I would because well, everyone would go on the internet. And exactly. Go, hey, I saw Star Wars at the Mayfair, yeah. and then we'd go go to jail. <laughs> and 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 good on the patrons who came to, from what I understand, was a well attended Saturday Night Cinema. Nobody went online. And said what it was. No. So everybody seems to kind of understand the deal of it's all above board. It's a private thing for members only, but we're not allowed to advertise it. There yeah, you go. And it's, it's like an experiment. It's like, let's see how many people are coming to this uh, super secret unknown movie. And, you yeah. know, and if you are watch, they going to walk out and yeah. be like, oh, my God, that was amazing. And it's, yeah. it's usually a movie. You're not going to find it on Netflix. No. You're not going to find it on, you know... If there were video stores. Maybe we'll find it in your, like, weird friend's dad's basement. Basement on beta. When you're cleaning out Yeah. Yeah. But it's just cool and obscure enough to, like, you know, the idea is you're not going to find it anywhere else. Yeah. and So and, there's no excuse to stay home. And because I've been working every day and it's past my bedtime, I still don't know what last month's screening no. was. I just kind of kept it out. I was just yes. like, nope, you can't bug me. I still don't know what last month was. Uh, so I really can't, even under torture, I couldn't tell la, you. La, la, yeah. yeah. I do not know. Uh, and we, we had contemplated, contemplated, contemplated? Con- we mm-hmm. were contemplating, yeah. contemplating, doing the same for the kids club. By then we could have done certain other movies. But I just thought parents... I that would work with Yeah, kids. parents want to know what they're getting into. So say, for example, if we're showing something a bit more kitschy, like, like a, a GoBots animated movie versus Land Before Time. Certain kids might like the sci-fi, certain kids might not. So I, I thought that was safer just kind of be above board with it and let kids know what they're getting into. And and I think parents as well, just in case, you know. And there's kids' movies are tough because, like, I love The Last, Dino, uh, not La, the Last Unicorn, mm-hmm. but that's kind of scary. I think it's only rated PG, but does it's that... Great, but it's, it's great, it's terrifying. So... Is that something we could play, or do we kind of stick with slightly more younger kids stuff, you know? So we'll see as the, as the months roll on, and there's a lot of available content, hopefully, so we'll be able to play a bunch more cool stuff. But yeah, don't even ask us to play, you know, 101 Dalmatians or Fantasia, because we can't. Or Willow. They have Willow. Now Disney even has Willows. So we can't even play Willow. <laughs> it went from one company that doesn't let out their movies to another company that doesn't let out their movies. Just Poor Willow. Like Poor, Poor Val Kilmer. Poor Val Kilmer. I love that movie. You can never see it unless it's off the record and for my birthday. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Um, 
I'm starving and starting to slur my words, so I think we should wrap this one up. <laughs> Go to mayfairtheater.ca for more movie info. And uh, eat pierogies at Targ. And for did 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 Quentin wait? Did Quentin write a book for Hateful Eight, or is he thinking about writing a book for Hateful uh, Eight? The screenplay is published. Did someone did someone do an audiobook for that? Uh, that'd be cool if they got the ask, actors to record. Yeah, I don't know an audio script reading, but yeah. no. Jackie Brown. I bet you Jackie Brown has an audiobook. Yeah, Rum Punch by Elmore Leonard. Rum Punch for sure. Yeah. There you go. Can't go wrong with Elmore Leonard. Yeah, go go listen to an Elmore Leonard book in honor of Quentin Tarantino on uh, on uh, the old Audible. Yeah, audibletrial.com slash Mayfair Theater Podcast. And uh, I'm going to go sleep now. Okay. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>